Welcome to the Pizza and P.E. Podcast, the Triple P, where a group of friends get together each week to eat pizza and discuss P.E. What up? I love that little intro music. Oh, it's been a minute. This is the first podcast of 2022, boys. Kim, it's always good for you to say that. That's for sure. It is always good for me to see you guys. In ways you can't imagine. Every day's a holiday with you guys. Every day's a holiday. I just love that we. This gives me another reason to eat pizza. <laughs> I know. Outside of two or three times a week, I already eat it. But truth be told, I had the exact same frozen pizza yesterday for lunch. The Trader Joe's margarita pizza. It's it's okay. It's pretty good. Listen, I know they're not a sponsor, and they could be one, but Costco makes. One heck of a good cauliflower crust pizza. That Kirkland brand cauliflower crust pizza is phenomenal. I won't believe you until I have to try it myself. Oh, it's perfect. I mean, you are the pizza connoisseur, so I'm going to say I'm giving it a try. I mean, your credit of all your pizza reviews that you've been putting out on Twitter, Kramer mm-hmm. with uh, Lorinda Deneen, you're building up some pizza credit, my friend. A little bit. I mean... You know, we will never get to Dave Portnoy status, but you know, for our group and the people that get to see it, it's fun. It's a good time. You guys haven't served any papers for blasting pizza place, have you yet? Not yet. That's the good thing. Can that but really we happen? Haven't, we haven't come across one that's that says they're quote unquote number one that's really lived up to that number one status. Yeah. That's like having that title. The best this, the world's greatest. So like says who? Yeah, it's just the last ones that they were number one in Charlotte's Pizza Wars 2014. I'm like, I didn't even, why wasn't I there? No. It must not have been a big pizza war. It must have been you and Mario's across the street. Oh, so you beat one place. All right. All right. All right, you guys. Pizza so, fun fact, Kramer. Your pizza fun fact. I'm, you know, uh, this is, this is going to be one that's pretty interesting because, you know, our partner in crime here, this is something I thought he would have told us a long time ago. Andrew, but this goes back to your hometown. And did you know that Philadelphia has a museum called Pizza Brain, which is home to the world's largest collection of pizza memorabilia? I did not know that. Well, you need to go and check it out next time you're home. Wait, it's called Pizza Brain? A lot of amazing museums and and history there in Philly, so it's not surprising. But it's, but it's pizza. It's a pizza brain. So if you go on their website, it's just pretty funny. It's like, come in and check out the stuff and order a slice while you're here. <laughs> so pizza brain, or do uh-huh. I go see the Rocky statue and climb all those steps? There's so many things you can go to. And, you know, the hands up. I've always wanted to do that in Philadelphia. That would be the first thing. Then maybe I would check out the pizza brain. That you should. Have you done that, Andrew, being a Philadelphia native? I have, have not. Done the Rocky, you know, stair climb. I've, I've been to the art museum, but I haven't done the, the Rocky, like, pose at the top of the stairs. But, I'm yes, I've been there many times. Cliche. You really would not run up and do it? Are you just too cool? Like, that would be so fun. Like, sometimes you just have to do cheesy things. Uh, th- you know I would. I would do it in a heartbeat. And I would also tell you boys to, like, videotape me while I'm doing it. That's a good pun for the podcast. That's some cheesy things. Ah, but I'm bumped. <laughs> so 
So, okay. So we've established that you're just too cool to play Rocky and climb those stairs. 100%. Hmm. All right. Well, you know who probably is not too cool? The guest. Because the guest and I, I guarantee you would do that with me. Our yes. guest today? Yeah. She's going she's gonna to mean cat one. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to ask her. So who is it, Andrew? So we are excited to have the 2020 Shape America Elementary P Teacher of the Year and the 2018 New York State Elementary Teacher Teacher of the Year, Megara Reagan, a true rock star in our profession. Um, Keith and I had the opportunity to meet her in Kentucky Shape this past summer, uh, 2020 Kentucky Shape Conference. They held a summer institute, and. Uh, we were kind of exchanging Twitter like posts here and there um, before the conference and then finally got to meet her in person. So much fun. Humble, um, nice, kind, receptive, open, humorous. Um, I just remember after the first time I met her and she doesn't know this, but I would I remember saying to Keith and Lorna saying she is so cool. Love, 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 love this person. So, of course, when we were putting together who we could contact, hopefully that would be so gracious to be on this podcast. I was like, we got to get her on. And so uh, she's our very first guest of the 22, 2022 Pizza NPE, Magara. Hey. Hello. What's How up? How are you? I'm good. I'm great. I'm so excited. And I thank you so much for having me come here listen to your podcast and watch some of them when I can sit down and do that. And I love it. I love everything about it. And uh, Kim, real quick. Yeah. I'm running those steps and I will be in a tutu. <laughs> Kim will definitely join you in that. That is for oh, sure. Please. I hope there's some conference or convention or something that puts us there because I, I knew you would, I knew you would do it with me. Those boys sometimes are like, that's just too cool. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, I mean, they call me cheesy all the time, but sometimes that is living cheesy is fun. I don't care. My own kids. Oh, what you got there? Oh, well, so Kramer, I'm sorry. I have not been to Sally's yet okay. um, in New Haven, but that's okay because this is Connecticut pizza. And I am going to give a big shout out because coming from New York, I will admit, I'm a little bit of a pizza snob. No question about it. This pizza, however, from a place in Guilford called Bufalinos. It's amazing. Nice. It's amazing. So we have a little uh, a little margarita. I think this is the margarita. I get confused. Yeah, that looks like it. Some Bufalina itself with a uh, Bufalina cheese. This one has cauliflower and some form of sweetness. Nice. Um, Amazing, amazing pizza. It's cold, cold, cooked, and they're only open a couple of days during the winter, but during the season, they're open all the time. So Bufalina's, Guilford, you must try it. That's awesome. I like it. Look at that. That's a professional review right there. Mm -hmm. That really is. And so see, that's what happens when you go to Connecticut. You get that good, coal-fired pizza, mm -hmm. and it makes a world of difference. It does. It's tasty. You know, I think if we go back into all our podcasts, there is some reference to Connecticut pizza from Kramer on every single episode. And I think we're on episode 19. And I guarantee you, Keith, you're just so proud. You're so proud of your Connecticut pizza. I love it. 
listen, we're a small state. We got to, this is where our muscles come from, our pizza and our women's basketball. (laughs) Which you just moved there, right? Yeah. Um, So how far away, like, so you were New York state Mm -hmm. is where you lived for how many years? Um, My whole life. So my whole life was in New York. Okay. I grew up in Queens. Then we moved to Long Island. Then I moved back to Queens. Then the last 11 years we lived in Manhattan. And then when we retired, we moved up to Connecticut. Wow. Okay. So then how far away from Connecticut are you to New Haven where Keith says that's the best pizza ever? Only 20 minutes away. Oh, so you are going to visit Sally's. Oh, yeah. oh, we, we will go there, but that's a commitment. You know, we want to make sure that we do it right. We don't want to just run in, grab a slice and go. So now they have changed a few things there. And I will say this. So they, I don't know if they're allowing people inside anymore. Uh, they, they built a tent so they can hold more people and they're supposed to heat the tent up. And it's, I mean, the pizza's the same and there's new owners, but the new owners embedded themselves in for a year prior to taking it over. So that nothing changed. Um, it, you could catch a rush at any time. Pepe's just down the street. You can catch a rush. If you go to Modern, Modern has great pizza as well. I'd always get it well done because it can get a little greasy, but it's good. And then Bar is one of my favorites because they have a mashed potato bacon. Oh, my God. Fantastic. I've always been a little bit hesitant about the mashed potato. Uh-huh. I was too until one of my friends said, just close your mouth until it comes. And then, oh, my goodness. It's literally one of my best, one of my favorites. Oh, boy. That's a line right there, Keith. Right there, that's a line. And Kim, just just for reference, so that you know this, in Connecticut, because we're such a small state, just about everything is 20 minutes away. Oh, I mean, you okay. can get tip to tip in two hours, from the very far corner to the corner to corner, two hours. Okay. I mean, if that. So, again, more Connecticut every day. Something referenced to. <laughs> You're welcome. Tired of um, hearing all the Buffalo stuff. So let's go. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned it too much. But, anyways. All right. So, we got to know where you grew up in New York all your life, and now you're in Connecticut. Um, have you basically have you taught elementary PE in New York your entire teaching career? Yeah. Um- so I started, actually started working as a paraprofessional with autistic kids. Um, I did that for about seven years. And then from there, I worked at uh, the Lexington School for the Deaf for a year and a half as a lead replacement, phys ed, and that was on the elementary level. And then I got my job out in Port Washington in 1990, and that's where I was. Um, I think I worked at three different elementary schools during that time and finished up my career there last uh, June. So 31 years in Port Washington. So 31 years in, what did you say, Fort or Port? In Port, Port Washington. Washington. So you had 31 years there, then plus the years that you were a paraprofessional? Yes. And then, so in total, how many years of education? Ooh, that's math. So yeah, 31, 32 and a half, seven. Wow, good for you. Yeah. Would you do it all over again? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I loved every second of teaching. I mean, you know, yeah, there were some tra- uh, difficult times, but, and I, I liked the, the path that it took. I got, I learned so much working with 
the autistic children for those seven years and then working in a school for hearing impaired kids, you know, that just so much that helped me become a better teacher. Yeah. So, well, did you, so when you were a paraprofessional professional working with um, students with autism and then also working, uh, you said uh, with, uh, with students that are deaf, right? So did you know at that time that you want to pursue, well, I know that you were a PE teacher at the school when you were working with the deaf children. Yes. Did you know that you wanted to be a PE teacher when you were working with the students with autism? Um, not exactly. I mean, I, I really enjoyed working with the kids with autism um, and I knew that I wanted to continue in education. And, but I don't, for, for whatever reason, I, I first started out thinking, well, maybe I'll just, you know, be. I started getting into triathlon. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just become a physical trainer. And then when I went to college for that, I had to take some of the PE undergrad courses. And I was like, you know what, actually, I kind of like this a whole lot better than working in a gym and telling people what to do. So it sort of shifted a little bit along the way. Gotcha. Okay. So you, yeah, go ahead. You started teaching, uh, you know, the, the children with autism, it had to be in the 80s. Yeah. Um, and that was when we really didn't know a whole lot about as much as we do today. Yeah. So how much, how, how different did that look then as compared to now? Well, it's really interesting because the program that I worked in um, was almost like the predecessor to, um, gosh, I'm trying to, is it ABA? The, the technique that's used a lot of times, the applied behavioral analysis. Um, and I worked one-on-one -on -one with, with a child and we were, we were trained by an occupational therapist who ran the program on all of these different, you know, treatment strategies to really help teach the kids and, and, you know, help them with their, with their behaviors. They were very low functioning kids that I worked with for the most part, and they were not in a regular education setting. So it was, it was a great program. It was a great program. And, and I learned so much. I learned how to break tasks down into tiny little steps in order to teach them better. So even without having any kind of educational background, that was a great program. And, and with that, like I said, going into the gym and being able to take, to see a skill and be able to just break it down into its tiny little steps to help kids learn how to, it was amazing. I was gonna say, there's so much transference mm -hmm. of those skills and working with those students that had to help you become the PE teacher that you are. Yeah. Absolutely. And then the, the year and a half with the, the um, at Lexington School for the Deaf, same kind of thing. You can't just depend on your voice. You have to just like act out things and demonstrate and don't, don't assume people are going to hear or understand you, which helped me because the school that I, I taught in for most of my career, we had a large ENL population. So, you know, you, you don't just explain things. You have to, you know, get very much so into your dramatic demonstration so the kids will understand a little bit better. So anyway, all of those things really helped me tremendously with um, teaching. Was it hard to say, um, I'm going to retire? Um, it was both. It was, it was hard and it was easy. I, I really wanted to retire before I became like that really crotchety old teacher that people are saying, oh, <laughs> <laughs> she just left 10 years ago and and I wanted to go while I still really enjoyed everything and enjoyed the kids. So um, but it was hard to go because I had been in that one particular school for 26 years and it was like a second home to me. So that part of it was difficult. 
I can't ever imagine you not being your best and being so theatrical. Like I, I'm, I've never seen you teach, but I can just imagine you working with your elementary kids and your animations and your tone and your inflections and your body language. I mean, were kids just like constantly just like staring at you? Like, what is she going to do next? I mean, some of them weren't, some of them were like enough. <laughs> <laughs> my own kids um Cora and Bryce constantly say don't be your PE self mom don't be that PE teacher and I'm like what do you talk about you know when you're so excited and you're using your hands and you're animated they're like just be not normal person I'm like I don't know if we could do that <laughs> I don't know what's normal anymore you know my my PE person or I I don't know but I, I also know my poor, bless my coworkers, they were just like, you need to settle down. <laughs> That's awesome. And you would do it all doing it right. That means you're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Oh my so that, that's all this retirement talk is. I mean, we're close. You know, Kim is closer than uh, Andrew and I, but we're ready. Um, but, you know, it kind of leads me to the next question I have for you. And that's, you know, in, in your Twitter, Twitter bio, uh, you embrace me. You say you embrace meaningful PE. I mean, and it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So how would you describe meaningful PE? In other words, what does it look like? What does it look like to you? What does meaningful PE look like to you? So that's a great question because um, I always kind of had it sort of, flitting around in my head, you know, does this, is, is this have any meaning for the kids? Is this relevant? Is, and it was just sort of always there. And then um, recently, I guess over the summer, Jorge Rodriguez had put out a little um, question. He wanted to get a group of people to do a book discussion on this book here, Meaningful PE. And so I said, let me give it a try. It sounds very interesting. So I read the book and I got involved in that and it just made everything that I've always kind of thought and was fuzzy crystallize in my head. So when I'm teaching and I, I wish I had had this book early on in my career because it's a, it's a framework of just kind of the way you now look at how you're going to deliver instruction and, and choose why you're teaching things and how you're teaching things. So um, what I came away with some of the big things were that in order for physical education to be meaningful to children, um, it needs to be challenging, an appropriate type of challenge. So there needs to be the challenge aspect. It absolutely needs to be fun. There needs to be some form of social interaction. And again, that can vary because there are some things where you, you want to be engaged in something, but you don't want the social piece. And other times where that social piece is hugely important. Right. Um, you, there needs to be a level of motor competence because you're you're just not going to have that fun if you can't do the skill, you know, at least at a reasonable level. And then it should be personally relevant as well. So with all of those different things together, and again, some weigh more heavily than others, depending on what you're doing, have that all come together. And now your students, that this opportunity, it's meaningful for them. So just a, a quick example, um, we have a skate park in town and we've got a lot of kids who live walking distance away from the skate park. So now it's like, all right, so maybe we're going to start doing some kind of a wheel program, but what, what kind of wheels do you like? Cause you can't just say, all right, everybody, we're gonna skateboard because you're gonna have some kids that 
that they don't want to. It's not fun for them. So maybe they could use their razor scooters. Maybe they could use rollerblades. Maybe they could use a bicycle. So just trying to keep in, in the front of your mind all the time. What's what's going to be really, what's going to make this meaningful to the kids? What's going to give them an opportunity to do something that they're going to want to continue doing for the rest of their lives and not do it just because I said so. Um, yeah, I want my kids to be in shape. I want them to be physically active. I want them to be sweating, but I want them to, when they're 30 and 40 years old, to have activities that they really enjoy pursuing and still want to move and not think back to their days in PE and say things like, well, that was stupid. Why did we have to do that? You know, all they did was make us run laps or all they did was make us do curl ups. And so that's kind of how I know I'm babbling a little bit, but no, no that was amazing. So are you telling me that elementary PE isn't, you know, where we launch sports careers by only getting kids ready for sports? I mean, no. I mean there's actual other things we do. And, and, and shockingly, not every single child is a really, you know, big ball sport athlete. They might have other interests. You know, they might want it. They might want to dance. That might be their passion, you know, and they, they jump ropes, you know, gymnastics, skating, all of that stuff. So you want to try to make it, make it so that I want, I've always wanted my students to love moving and love what they're doing and to just go the whole, you know, we're doing basketball, soccer, volleyball, mm -hmm. blah, down the line, you're just losing so many kids and so many opportunities to give them their voice and their choice and, and, and listen to them and provide them what they need. So. And what was the, the book um, called again and the author for, so it's meaningful Same. physical education and approach for teaching and learning. And it's, um, it says it's edited by Tim Fletcher, Deidre. I can't pronounce the other names, but I'm hoping that if I could just Google search meaningful physical yes. And you said, so it's, I love what you just said. Like, I wish I had this book earlier because you just read it this past summer, right? Mm -hmm. And you've already had 37 plus years of teaching and you wish you had that book. Yeah. So what you're telling me is that you are still like on, there's always continuous learning when it comes to this profession. Oh yeah. And you never say, well, no, I'm no. teacher of the year. I'm the elite. I don't need to learn anymore. Like, I love that. Yeah. I love that you just provided that input because I'm going to search that because I think there's some great nuggets for coaching up teachers through that book is what I'm hearing too. It's, it's a great book. And then if you, uh, if you listen to any of Jorge's um, podcasts, he's, he's covered, I think the first six chapters on it so far. And, and it's like, sort of like a book club, you know, people just sitting around and, and, you know, I, I sat in on a couple of the chapters and just, talking through it. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's great. I mean, I really, like I said, I love this book. And I thought that a couple of books have really inspired me this being one and spark being the other. And those are yeah. my, two, my two big inspirations that gave me big pushes. So, yeah. And I love that you said that meaningful PE, um, one of the parts of the framework is being personally relevant. Yes. And it's funny that you use that example of skateboarding. Because even my 13-year-old son, um, yeah, he's, he, 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 he loves flag football and he tried soccer. But the thing, because I've been tossing around with my husband, like, I don't know what he truly, truly enjoys for physical activity. And he recently just found out, like, he, he got one of those pro scooters for the holidays. He loves the skate park. 
It's yep. his favorite. So he's more of like that adventure type of like, you know, I was even asking him, do you want to go to inner peaks for climb or rock climbing? And, but he loves like the wheels, the skateboarding. Yep. So I love that um, you brought that to the attention of our viewers and listeners, how important it is to let's get away with some of those traditional sport units, not to say you don't do it, but right. especially in elementary PE sprinkle of so many things. I mean, that's the beauty of being an elementary PE teacher. You see them from kindergarten all the way through fifth grade. Most people, most people, I'm not saying sixth grade is not incorporated in the, let's just, you know, for generic purposes, that's 60 years that if a kid goes from kindergarten through fifth grade, they have you as a teacher, maybe for those six years, they've been exposed to so much, mm -hmm. so much. So I love that. And I also think, too, when you add variety to your standards, so it's not always the basic things that we have in our closet. Mm -hmm. we got to think outside of our closet of the, of the things we have, you know, because I think a lot of teachers get wrapped up in, well, what equipment do I have to teach yeah. my students? So it's like, well, let's think about what they're interested in. They may have things that we're not even thinking of. So like you said, the choice and voice is such an important piece to this because then we really find out, hmm. How can I make this work for my students? What can I do? Who can I bring in? What grants can I write? There's so many options and ways to go about bringing in the things that really are sparking our interest these days. Because it is a little different than when we first started. Yeah. Things are changing. And we got to evolve at times. We you guys, to... I don't know if you saw this, but somebody posted, and I, and I so apologize, I don't remember. Um, it was somebody who was a follower of a follower or something. But they posted a picture of um, the – them uh, in a whole snowsuit, gloves, hat, and so forth, saying, I just set up my cross-country trail for my PE lessons for, for the week or two weeks. And they're living like in the cold tundra weather. I could not even imagine those units in North Carolina. Like how cool. And in yep. North Carolina, our teachers are like, wait, is it too cold to take our kids out? It's 34 degrees. And I'm looking at pictures on Twitter going, these kids are dressed up in boots, yeah. hats, and they got, they're learning cross-country skiing. How cool is that? But yeah. how, and relevant for them because that's yeah. the environment that they live in. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's so hard in physical education to say to a teacher, here is your lessons for lesson day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. You just can't do it. You can't, it's, there's not like a standard, like to say, to give to a district, to a, all the health and peach, you're saying you're going to be teaching this lesson on this day and everyone's going to be the same. It's, 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 and, and, and I hope we don't do that. That'd be a disservice to, to the experts of the teachers um, and to, and them knowing what their student needs are and what the facilities allow them to do and the equipment that they have access to and so forth. So I'm so glad that you brought that up. But even doing a variety of stuff, right? It, it gives you an opportunity once you know your kids, especially that the kids who don't shine at this sport are going to shine at something else down the road. And then you accentuate it because it's like, look, they may not have been the best, you know, best person in the soccer unit, right? But they're, you know, if you need help with tumbling or you need help with this, that's my, that's my person right there. They're going to be the one that's going to be up there. And they might not always get that success, say, in the classroom, but now they have an opportunity in our class. And that's, that's the cool thing is our, our environments allow for successes 
yeah. across a, a broad spectrum of our kids. It's not yeah. so cut and dry. Yeah, so yeah. that'll that's going to lead us to our next question. Um, I had the pleasure to attend one of your sessions during the Shape Virtual Conference, and it was probably the most impactful one I went to. There's a lot of great ones, but this one really registered with me because I feel like if we were to sit down and have a discussion, we would be very like-minded with what, you know, what's best for kids. Um, so your session on self-regulation for elementary school children and about your zones of regulation really, um, really inspired me and every all the work we're doing with B3, and it's very aligned. So would you mind explaining kind of how you went about setting this up in your gym? Uh, well, so first of all, I found out about the zones of regulation um, kind of accidentally at one of the shape conventions years, some years back, it was like the last day of the convention. And I was like, all right, I'm not leaving for another hour. What can I go see? Let me pop in here. And as soon as I, I heard it, I was just like, oh, wow, this is great. This is like a, a great way to teach kids how to recognize their emotions, how to recognize other people's emotions, and then after that, start working on, on regulating them. Um, because half the times the kids have no idea what they're, they're feeling or they can't read what the other their friends are feeling. And so then things just get away from them. So um, we brought the zones of regulation back to the school and we started doing it just in the gym. And we taught the kids, you know, there were four different colors for the different uh, either states of being or their emotions. And we kind of taught them a little bit about it. We played some games like zones of regulation tag. So if you get tagged, you have to pretend that you're angry and somebody has to guess what your emotion is. And, you know, and then we would build onto that. It's now we can talk about different strategies and we go through different breathing strategies or other things, take a drink of water, go for a walk. Um, so we pretty much so systematically, you know, over the course of a couple of, of classes, you know, taught them the zones, had them practice in the games, and then we set up rest stops. We call them rest stops. Other people, I think, will refer to them as calm corners. So in three corners of the gym or three areas of the gym, if we saw somebody was maybe struggling a little bit, we would say, you know, maybe we can kind of take a little walk over to the rest stop and let's figure out which which zone you're in right now. Are you in the the yellow zone where you might be a little bit anxious or a little bit frustrated and what kind of strategy might work with you. So we start out with a bit of co-regulating in the beginning. And then after that, then we can sort of lead them to be able to self-regulate. And then the whole, the goal is that they will then be able to catch themselves in time and go on their own and get themselves back to where they need to be. And then they rejoin on their own. So what it did for the kids was it gave them a common language where they were able to, it's like, you know, if I would stop the whole class, I'd say, oh, looks like maybe we're starting to get in the yellow zone. Let's do a little bit of breathing so we can get back to where we're more in control of our emotions. And so reinforcing it that way. So they developed a common language. They were able to recognize their emotions better in themselves. And they, it gave them a little bit of a sense of control. And there was no... Consequence, punishment, whatever you want to call it. It wasn't a timeout corner. It wasn't where you have to go if you're misbehaving. It was a place where you could go just to get yourself back into the activities. And what happened was a ton of discipline problems just really almost, I can't say almost disappeared, but they, we didn't have 
we didn't have to sit kids out anymore for misbehavior because now we had something else that they could then do where they were taking control of themselves. So it wasn't punitive, which was something that really appealed to us. I love that. Term. I love that. Yeah. Teaching them the skills on how to fix something instead mm -hmm. of being a, being a behavior problem. Now it's like, okay, what can we do to change that behavior? Yep. So you're, 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 it's always positive. There's yep. no negatives involved. And that's what kids need to do. And we wanted to make, you know, to help them understand, look, everybody is going to feel certain ways. I can get really angry sometimes. That's okay. It's what you do with it. Mm -hmm. oh, we got a lot of sun. There we go. <laughs> it's what you do with that. That's, you know, that's the important part. You know, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. This, you can fine. this part out. I'm just trying to get it so the sun is not. Is that there you right? go. All right. Yeah. You're fine. It's a podcast. People listen anyway. Yeah. <laughs> For those who are, are listening, she she has, I think the sun is setting in certain uh, places or moving. Um, that's a, okay. Because Andrew attended your session. I forget where I was during that time. He ended up calling me and texting me. We we're texting throughout the whole online National Shape America. This is awesome. This is good. Like we normally do an in-person, right? So he, he did mention about um, how you implement that zones of regulation. And I remember you saying, Andrew, this is so easy to add to an already existing thing that we're already doing, which we just termed B3. It's, it's just intentional, meaningful PE activities, yeah. right? That help kids self-regulate themselves too. But to have that understanding now, like we've given them tools on what to do during self-regulation, but we never really given them the explanation of this is anger. This is sad. Like, I love that you identify or you're teaching kids to identify what that feeling is mm -hmm. and then what to do with that feeling. That's such a missing piece that it was like an aha moment when you were speaking to me like, ah, and it seemed like not that hard to do. It's just that you had to take the time to teach the kids where many people think, oh, you just say it, they do it. Yeah. It takes over time, a week, two weeks, like probably to get through all your kids and teaching that, that was months. And then become a like part of your culture. Yeah. That takes, you know, a couple of years mm -hmm. where it's just now kids are teaching kids. Mm -hmm. That's I I credit you for doing that. That's amazing. What a gift that you gave those kids. Honestly, thank you. It was it was um it just made sense. You know, it was one of those things that once I heard it, I was like, well, this makes perfect sense. And so we just we we did, and then the classroom teachers, a lot of the classroom teachers started using it in their classroom as well. So the kids were getting it really from all different areas, and and we did do a training for the whole school right before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so, but it was working its way into the lunchroom and out to the playground as well with all of our paraprofessionals had been trained on, on just trying to implement the zones as well. Um, the, big, the big thing was, the big concern was that people didn't use it as like, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the paper clip with or yeah. the, mm. yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's not a behavior chart. It's not, you know, a way of manipulating, you know, oh no, you're going to go down to red, you know. Yeah. It, it was just we, the most important part, I think, the message that we wanted to get through. And then um, the woman who, who 
wrote the zones of regulation, who developed the curriculum, she's an occupational therapist as well, um, made it very clear in her curriculum, it's not a behavior system. It is a way of teaching children how to self-regulate. So that was to, to us really the most important part. It's okay to be angry. What do we do with it now? What can you do? Right. Um, I, one, one little story though, about how you do get so, you get so caught up in it's like, well, let's breathe. Okay. We're angry. We're going to breathe. A volcano breathing, take five. Um, and then this one little boy was so angry one day he up to me and, and he's like, I'm so angry. And I was like, well, let's breathe. He goes, Mrs. Regan, you're telling me to breathe. It doesn't work for me. Okay. Thank you. Let's try to figure out what does work for you then. So it's oh. different for everybody. They have to individualize their own strategies and what works for them. And that takes time for the kids, but it's raising their awareness as well. Yeah. And you say that you were doing this before the pandemic and it was just really catching on into the whole culture you were doing in the gymnasium. But imagine the gift you gave those kids. And I, and I say this as a gift because this is such a great tool and lifestyle um, habit that just helps them make, I don't know, life easier and better. I, I don't even know other ways to say it, but I do think that the, that program that you delivered and, and, and lessons are such a gift that for even when the kids were during the pandemic, I'm, I'm willing to bet that you had several kids that utilized those on their own in a world that they didn't even, that nobody understood at that time. So yeah, I give you a lot of credit. I'm so glad that you explained that. And, you know, can't, I, we need to incorporate that for sure more into lessons and, 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 and acknowledgement to, to PE teachers to say, you know, it's not um, something that you just try to correct in this class period. It's a skill that you're trying for them to self-correct for a lifetime. Yeah. It's kind of like health skills, you know, mm -hmm you know, the delivery of skills-based health lessons. It's like, okay, how can we deliver PE uh, skill-based activities for them to carry on for a lifetime? So, all right. So, um, and I know we're going to continue this conversation after this podcast, especially with, you know, because I, I forgot how impactful that was and, and having Andrew say it and then hearing it from you. Um, it's just a huge light bulb that just, I guess, went off in me. So in 2022, this was going viral on Twitter. I think it started with Andrew Milne. Then I saw Anna Forsolito, Michelle Huff, um, uh, Guy Danoff, others in our Twitter world that were uh, making like their own branding images of their one word. And, uh, and people were sharing what their one word is. And uh, I follow you on Twitter, um, Megara R., is that correct? Is that your Twitter handle? Um, and you had B. One, your one word is B, B-E. Mm -hmm. Explain. So it's always interesting because I've been doing the one word for a few years now. Um, and I, I always find myself like that week leading up to New Year's between two or three different words. And I kept coming back to B. It, it just kept coming back. And, and I think since I've retired... I just want to be there or be in the moment a little bit more or be aware of what's going on around me and, and to take the time to just kind of B. 
be. So I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, it but does. It, it resonated with me. Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll find myself on my phone or on my laptop and I'll realize that like two or three hours have just passed. It's like, I could be looking out the window right now or taking a walk or, or doing something where I'm actually right there being present. So I think, I think that's pretty much so really what it came, it came down to. And that's why that word kind of found me. Um, what was the other word? Breathe. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, which, which I've always need to do um, because I tend to sort of like jump around a little bit. And if I can give myself a moment to pause, pause was another one. So pause and, and breathe, but I feel like B kind of, kind of covers them. You it know, really does. When being mindful, then I am going to breathe and I am going to pause. And so, so I think that it sort of covered a lot of what I'm trying to do. And it's, it's short and quick and easy for me to remember. <laughs> I love it. I'm glad that I asked that question. Well, what's your one word? Do you have one? Well, um, so you inspired me. Honestly, this is, you know, I saw all those. I'm like, okay, Kim, what is my one word? Um, my one word that I selected this year is content. Mm -hmm. C-O-N-T-E-N-T, -E -T, not content, Keith Kramer. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what he thought. But it kind of fits what I do anyways, you know, creating content. And um, so I kind of laughed at that. But it's, it's content. I just, you know, be kind of in the moment, but be content with the happiness and what I have. Yeah. And um, I think it was to acknowledge um, things that done, what we have, what we, you know, think. And, and I guess the, the reason why I chose is like, I want to stop chasing something. Mm -hmm. I, I think in my career, I was always like chasing for the next thing, chasing, chasing, chasing. Wait a minute. After I got it, let's be happy with that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why I selected that. What about you? Keith and Andrew, have you even given any thought? We haven't, we haven't even talked about this. I guess I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> Good, Andrew. Um, well, I guess the, the, the word that keeps coming to mind for me is grateful. Um, especially like this year with everything that went on uh, personally. And then with everything that with, I've had some things go on with my family and things like that, where I'm very grateful for every day with them. And just every moment and opportunity I get to spend doing the things that I love. Um, and I'm not going to take that for granted anymore. So it's, it's sometimes we need to wake up all in life for certain things and really put it, put things in perspective. And that did that for me this year. And I really think that it brought me to a place where um, I'm able to see things a little more clearly, even though sometimes, you know, we, we tend to still jump around. I'm a jump around person type too. Um, but I definitely am more grateful for each moment that I can spend here. Mm. Nice. Well All uh, right, Kramer. So mine was determined and that's, um, mostly because, you know, I, I, I part of the year where I couldn't exercise to the ability that I'm happy with, um, little, little stuff going on in my knee that I've had fixed recently. And, uh, my love for running and just being outdoors, especially trail running. I, I really got away from that last year because it hurt so darn much. And um, now that I'm on the mend, I'm ready to get back out there and, and just do that. Cause you know what, these two will tell you I'm huge into music. I just absolutely love listening to 
from the hardest stuff that people are like, honestly, what are you listening to, to some light stuff. But that's the stuff that's in my earbuds when I'm on a trail and it really clears your mind, like gives you a chance yeah. to think. And, you know, I, sometimes I've been known to say some things without a filter. And, you know, <laughs> when you're on the trails, it gives you a chance to think about that because as we know from Spark, you know, it, the more you exercise, you know, you pop more things in your brain that gives you a chance to really think more clearly. So uh, I'm determined to get back to that and, and and get more outdoorsy again to where there's little to no pain and I'm not popping ibuprofen all day. Oh my gosh. That all came from the word determined. <laughs> I love it. What was it supposed to be? Short and sweet? No, I'm just joking. That's, this is very conversational. That's why I love this podcast. And I mean, the reason why we created this podcast was just to have conversational talk, conversa you know, with people all around in that do something associated with PE in education. I mean, at first we were going to do call this the something pie podcast, like partners in education. And we're like, no, pizza and pee. I mean, I, and I mean, honestly, like, Magira, I mean, we're so happy to have you on this podcast, but, you know, our, our relationships, like so many in our network was on social media and then obviously in person in Kentucky. And now we're having this great conversation. Yep, um, yep. And I'm sure so many more follow ups that I guess I'll use Andrew's word, how grateful we are just to have this access via Internet to have these um, conversations to grow. I think that was I wanted to learn and continue to grow. And get and have positive discourse, even if you have some opposing viewpoints, mm -hmm. or maybe also have a viewpoint that you didn't even consider, and then someone else brings it to you know into the conversation and makes you reflect. So, anyway, so speaking of reflecting, um, yeah. So let's go, let, let's go to oh, you know my next question here, and you know this is. You know, a lot of people probably would ask this. And, you know, when you retire, you're supposed to ride off into the sunset and be all, you know, hooray, every day is a Saturday. But, you know, anybody that follows you on social media sees that you're still presenting at conferences. You're going to conferences. You're very active in the PE community. And, you know, what is your drive to keep doing that even after you've said, hey, listen, I'm good. Retired. See ya. I'm going to go, you know. Have Shovel pizza. snow in Connecticut. I'm going to go have pizza every day in Connecticut and start doing the tour. Well, I, I will tell you, a lot of people that I know just tell me I'm absolutely crazy and out of my mind. <laughs> and they'll say, what are you doing? You're retired. What are, why? My kids are just like, mom, what do you mean you're in a meeting? What are you doing? You're retired. What's wrong with you? Um, but I, I mean, I still love it. I love everything. I knew that it was time for me to leave teaching the little children it was just time and but that didn't mean that i didn't still feel passionate about pe and and you know being with with such people like yourselves and exchanging ideas and learning more and getting excited and fired up about new things it's it's just still there it just that didn't leave and um i i did promise I think I'm holding okay to this promise. I promised my husband and myself that for one full year after retirement, I was not going to commit to anything major. And I haven't 
I really haven't. I haven't started a second career or anything like oh, okay, that. Okay, yeah, true. So I haven't done anything like that. But I would I would go crazy if I just rode off into the sunset. I mean, I, I need to be doing something and, and I need to be involved in the profession that I love so much. And, you know, I love meeting new people, getting mm -hmm. to be with people and going to the going to the conferences is amazing. And there is a, a group, um, I'm sure you know this group, uh, FNF, Friday Night Family. Yeah, um, I, believe, I believe Kevin Kevin McGrath is maybe the one who started it, but don't yeah. you know. I hope I don't get in trouble. And yeah. we, oh. it's been just a group open to anybody that yeah. has met online since the pandemic. And you know, we're approaching the 100th Friday night. You know, where people are just kind of getting together. And so through that group, which I was terrified the first time I wanted to to hop in and and meet these people because I was there. There were names that I was just like. Oh my God, these are like really, really famous PE teachers. You know, yeah. I was so nervous, and but I did, and I joined, and now it's like they're like they're my friends, and and you know, getting to meet them for real life in Kentucky, and then up upstate New York, and now you know, going to Jersey in February, and then I'll meet some more over there, and then when I go to New Orleans and then meet even more face to face. It's it's amazing. And the connections that we've made through that group and that have come from the pandemic have yeah. been just awe-inspiring. And I don't know, like you say, just talking and meeting people and, and like-minded, passionate phys ed folks, it has been amazing. And I, I can't stop. I'm I'm kind of just sort of like hooked on on this whole world so well now you don't have the uh, the pressure yeah. of of this what's going on at a school you can do it because you love to do it you and you get to and i guess you know one of the cool things when you get to meet people that i think from across uh, at least our country for when we travel in the country is you get to find out where all the cool food places are yeah. when you go to their town. Cause you know, they're not going to, they're not going to shortchange you and just send you down to the Applebee's, you know, they're going to be like, you know, you need to go check out this little hole in the wall place. I mean, it may not look like much on the outside, but it's got great food, but if they send you to the Applebee's, you know, they're not a good friend. No, not good. <laughs> That's why our pizza PE is, you know, like we've always, again, we've always said this and we keep saying this is, you know you have good people when you can have good debate over pizza mm -hmm. because one it's it's yeah. not in a in a setting that's all uptight where you have to be hotty totty it's pizza yeah. it's a beverage of your choice yeah and you know you can have the biggest disagreement in the world but you're going to agree over a great slice of pie and then you're going to walk out and and still be friends and that's yeah. that's how we got to be we can't just look at the world through a singular lens and if somebody doesn't agree with it well then they're you know mm -hmm. And that's, that's what we do in our profession. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, I applaud you, Magira. And you also know the importance, too, of constantly learning something new. Oh, yeah. yeah. Conversations. Um, I mean, John Rady, I mean, explains so much about that in this, you know, preventing cognitive de decline. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of my big things, too, is I, I always want to learn something new um, because just physical exercise is not the only way to benefit your brain. Right. And you know that. So, I mean, it's like you read a college textbook material, <laughs> meaningful PE and a framework after you're retired. Who does that? <laughs> there, 
Fantastic. <laughs> the best example ever. <laughs> oh, God. Well, you, it, back to John Rady, that was another one of my accidental, um, what is it, accidental sessions? Workshop so, sessions yeah. that I went to. And that was out in um, San Diego. I think it was 2011. Yeah. And it was, again, I, my plane was leaving. You know, I had a, a, kind of a couple of hours and I was like, oh, I don't know who this person is, but let me just pop in. And I sat in on his session and it was, it was a small room. It was, we were all stuck in rows and I was like transformed by the end of it. I was just like, I've got to get his books. I've got to read up on it. And it changed. I mean, I, when I went home after that, I was just like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get a before school program going. These kids coming in, they're going to have fun. Their brains are going to get fired up, you know, and then everything just sort of, you know, kind of trickled after that, but that was, so anytime I go to a conference, if I'm debating, it's like, mm, should I, should I sit in on this session? You know, should I just, mm -hmm. you know, I'll sit in because it could be another one of those that just is like, wow. But yeah. in that regard, how frustrating is it now if you go in and sit in a session and go, oh, I only would have known that when I was teaching, it would have been yeah. awesome to apply that. Now you don't have anything to apply it to, you yeah. know, in terms of a class. That is but true. But coaching up and giving back to those who are right. in their careers, you, you, you know, I, I think it's so important to keep doing that. I agree, but it's not the same. Um, it's not the same satisfaction of when you see the little kids, when you see that light bulb go off, especially with elementary kids, it's the biggest job satisfaction in the world. And you might get a, a few here and there and some days you, you don't get any or not as many and it's, but it's still satisfying to go, oh, I, I see it. That's awesome. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. yeah uh, I, would, I would have loved to have, like I said, I, why I wanted to have read that book, Meaningful PE, earlier and, and been familiar with the framework. Because now, I, like you're saying it, Kramer, it's it is a little bit frustrating that I can't just go back in and really just go through my timeline and my entire curriculum and and reframe it with that lens. And and uh, I can't, but that's okay right. because maybe somebody else can. Sure. Who awesome. knows how many people you're going to affect today from this podcast by showing them right. and talking about that? Yeah. So, right. so many. There, there's so many ways we can reach reach the audience that we want. Yeah. So that leads us to our last question before the uh, memorable rapid fire that you're about to go through, or the quick bite. So, um, <laughs> what, what is your most memorable teaching memory? Um, it could be something funny, something tearjerker something that comes to mind that's like that that one moment or that one student or that one experience that you can share with us it, probably a lot yeah there, there, there's a lot but i did um because i've been thinking on it and i did come up with one and there was a, a student a, a, a young man that i had and i had him from kindergarten right up through fifth grade and he never ever once said a word to me i mean he was just one of those super quiet kids well-behaved, wasn't really very athletic, you know, but he was, he always participated. He did whatever he could, but you could tell this was not his thing. And I, I knew that he was very musically inclined. Um, PE was not his thing, but again, well-behaved, never said a word to me. So in fifth grade, we traditionally have our annual gymnastics show and all the fifth graders participate in one way or another, whether they're performing or their stage crew or whatever it is, they all have a role. So he came up to me. And again, like I said, he never said a word to me. Comes up to me and says, would it be okay if I could take the music 
and mix it for you and put it on a, a CD at the time that you could use in the show. And I said, sure. Yeah, do you, can you do that? Because I have a hard time. And he's like, no, 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 I can. My dad has a studio at home. And I was like, okay. So he did. And he, I mean, it was, it was just one of those kinds of things. It's like, yeah, no, he did not want to be the kid that has to try to vault in the show. And he wasn't necessarily even the kid that wanted to move the mats from one place to another, but he had something that he wanted to do and that would help contribute to the whole show. And I let him and I could have, I could have said, no, you have to do so. That's not one of our jobs. It's not, you know, this is, these are, you know, and, and I did allow myself to pause and breathe and think and, you know, just say, what is, what he's going to walk away from this and, it could go in one direction or another. He could either be like, yeah, I hate PE and now I know why, you know, that teacher was terrible. Or he could say, wow, you know, she actually kind of saw my strength and let me do it. So I'm hoping he's grown up now. I'm hoping that that is what he thought of that experience. And since then, I've tried to keep that in mind whenever mm -hmm. something like that comes up because you are going to have those kids who they're not going to want to do X, Y, and Z. So do I have to try to make them do it just because I'm their PE teacher? Or do I listen to what it is, their strengths, their needs, their concerns, and keeping in mind always what I want, which is for them to have happy, healthy memories of physical education and value it a little bit more. So that was my memory. That story probably, I don't even know how to say this word, you guys, epitomizes. Is that how you say it? Epitomize. I could yeah. just say that that story just is epitomizes you as a teacher. I, I, I absolutely love, love you as a teacher and what you did with those kids. I love that. This is one of my favorite podcasts and having these conversations with you. You are, had such a amazing career. I love that story. That, that is exactly who I would think that you are. And was as, as, as a teacher, the fact that you just all because there's so much that goes on, right? Even mm -hmm. myself, like I remember being like, okay, especially March, right? February and March is like that time of the year where teachers are just like panicky and just kind of like less patient and so much going on. Oh, I've got double classes. I got this. I got that. I got this. I don't have this planning. And just to be in that moment with that one child, you could have gone a whole different way based on your own mood. <laughs> yeah. And just to say, wait a minute, here's this human being who's a human, not just a student, a human coming to you who hardly spoke and had something that they knew that they could contribute and you allowed it to happen. I just so glad that you just took the two minutes just to hear them because often we don't have that time or we don't think we have that time to stop the instruction, listen for two minutes because we got to go boom, 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 boom. And we don't have time. I got to go to car rider. I got to go to lunch duty. I got to go to this. I got to go to that. Whoa, slow mm -hmm. it down. <laughs> the world, you know, um, just needs you to be in the moment with those kids. Thank you. That's an awesome story. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I know that it was, it's, it stuck with me, but I'm sure that there were plenty of times, like you just said, where I didn't take that time. And uh, I, I'm apologizing yeah. right now to all of those kids. <laughs> I wanted to say something to, and grownups. 
and coworkers, you know, that wanted to have that conversation and I was too busy and, and I know that Mm -hmm. it's happened more times than not. So Mm -hmm. sorry, folks. I know, but uh, I think when it matters, maybe the most that I think you definitely knew what to do. Yep. I, I, to be honest with you, you mentioned adults. I think I was more short with some of my colleagues than I was with students. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I look back at it now. I'm like, whoa, why don't I just really just take the time in the hallway to stop and say, you know what, how are you doing? Instead mm-hmm. of going, gotta go to the copier, gotta go to make the phone call, gotta eat up my lunch, gotta do this. So again, I guess I'll circle back to your word. B. 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 2022. B. Yep. All right, you guys, let's get ready for quick bites. Um, so, uh, uh, again, thanks, Magira, for those responses. I appreciate it. All right. So now you're in that fun zone. All right. Like I said earlier, um, Kim doesn't know these questions. Andrew and I are going to throw some questions at you. There could be a small follow-up to it, but first thing that comes to mind, and you know, just hey, have a little fun with this. <laughs> All right. So I'll start with something really, really easy. Okay. Would you rather be book smart or street smart? Now I can't say it would well, be half and half. No. Street book smart. smart, street smart. Street smart. Okay. Favorite carnival food. Fried dough. Fried dough, yes. Your fried dough on here. With confectionery sugar? That's a yeah. northern thing. Yeah. I know. We had that at all our fairs. I'm from mm-hmm. upstate New York. Funnel cakes in other parts of the country. There are funnel yes. cakes down here, yeah. And that's not the same. Yeah, Can't do funnel cakes. Mm-mm. Okay. What mythical creature would you believe is real? Oh, unicorn. That's a good quick answer. I mean they're not. <laughs> Climb a mountain or jump from a plane. Wait, say that again. Climb a mountain or jump from a plane. Climb a mountain. Okay. okay. Um, what is not a big deal to most people, but is torture for you? Ooh. Oh, you stumped me. Being quiet. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> that was good. So now that you're retired, what are you looking most forward to doing or not doing going forward? Not setting the alarm clock. Well, that's a good one. Okay, what or who is your favorite cartoon character? Underdog. Okay. <laughs> Dark chocolate or milk chocolate? Milk chocolate. Huh. What holiday activity do you think is overrated? Oh, Halloween. Just everything about Halloween. Oh. Oh. All right. So <clears throat> this is my last one, and this is my favorite one. So I, I hope you'll play along with this one. Using an Elmo voice. Can you tell me how you like your coffee? <laughs> I am so sorry. I don't know how to. I'll try it. I don't know. I like my coffee. 
good. That's good. I That's like awesome. <laughs> that was good. Thank you for playing along on that one. Yep. Andrew, I can't believe you asked that. Uh, now I want Google, you know, Elmo voices. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. McGarrett, this is exactly our office banter. This is how we work <laughs> all the time, every day, all the time. There is some kind of zingers that, that come that I'm like, what does this got to do with work at all? Well, I had to say, I was a little worried <laughs> with the with the one that started with, would you rather? <laughs> one of those questions that we've had. <laughs> Especially probably on Friday Night Family, huh? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Oh. A lot of editing. And this is a family-friendly show. Right. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for playing along and for coming on. You are so amazing. And um, keep doing what you're doing. I, 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 The profession is so lucky to have you. Um, I love it. I absolutely, I absolutely, I hate this term because I feel like sometimes you say this to younger kids, but I absolutely adore you. Yeah, I, I I know. I I'm from New York, so don't say ma'am. Don't say anything cutesy. Yeah, like I'm sorry. You know, I'm from North Carolina. Ma'am is a term of respect, but for those who are in upstate New York, that was the worst thing. The hardest thing I had to deal with was understanding that kids were being respectful to me saying ma'am when I first started teaching. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. If we said that in New York, it'd be like, I mean, it, it's it's actually like rude. It is because it either means they think you're really, really old. Yeah. Right? Because they call you ma'am or they think you're being sarcastic. Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, ma'am. It was always yes. Yeah. That, that was the hardest thing. So, um, but I just, you're the most kind, patient, loving, nurturing. Um, did, had no idea your work with children with autism and working with deaf children, how you got your start. So thanks for the conversation today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was awesome. No, thank, thank you. I really, this was great. This was like a highlight of, of I don't know, my life. I really, really <laughs> enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Your 37-year career. Yes, I'm glad we can, we can <laughs> talk about it. Highlight of 2022. <laughs> and I'm going to take your advice on B. I loved your uh, your explanation of it. So, oh, yeah. So, all right. I have a feeling we're going to have those books on our desk probably Monday morning from month. Oh, my God. Yeah. I know. That's the part. I got to slow down. Now I'm like, I took notes of what I got to order on Amazon and other things. Um, we will definitely have you on again. Well, thank um, you. To continue. And I know one of your um, uh, heroes is also Mike Kazala. Oh. So, um, yeah, he's going to come back on, too. Absolutely. Um, he's great. Yeah, maybe to even have a panel of people some at one of these podcasts. You know, we never have a set framework, you know, and also if we did, it can evolve, right? Mm -hmm. Why make anything so permanent and to, to say that this is the best when there's always things that can be better and improved? And uh, I just I just love that you um, embody that mission. Thank so. you. Thank All you right. so much for having me. It was just amazing. I loved it. <laughs> well, we love you. Um, and we'll see you in uh, Shape Nola. Uh, Shape Nola. I cannot we'll wait. Um, maybe maybe we'll share a hurricane together, huh? 
No, thank you. Oh, okay. Well, maybe you could watch me have a hurricane. Oh, I thought you meant a real hurricane. No. no, no, no. We're talking about the famous beverage in New Orleans oh, called the, called the hurricane. Oh, I'll, I'll share one with you if it's a okay. beverage. Sure. Well, I'll buy you one. You're not sharing mine. We're going to have our own. <laughs> I'll see you up on it. We're definitely going to do that. That's great. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. See you. Bye. Oh, she's such a lovely person. I learned so much from her. She really is. That was awesome. I know we did this just to have conversations and to, to bring more people into, I, I guess, just a positive discourse of, and, and just just have different guests on. My favorite is that how much I learned from everybody. Yeah. It's I mean, a learning experience. Her, so my aha moment, you guys, with Magira Reagan was... Um, her explanation on the benefits of and what she learned with working with children with autism. And I asked her the question about how did that transfer into the gymnasium, working with you know special needs students, um, deaf and children with autism. And her explanation of saying, breaking it down into units, very small, many parts. It was probably very natural for her because she learned that skill and then transferred it into the gymnasium, how important it is to instruct and break down a lesson into many, many, many little mini parts and skill progression in many, many little parts. Um, I just like that she emphasized that. What about you, Kramer? Yeah, um, <clears throat> like when she laid out what she got from that book and, and, and you know, mm -hmm. making things, you know, an appropriate challenge fun yeah right having the the social interaction um motor competence okay mm -hmm. that's one of those things that a lot of new teachers how it takes time to learn you know what motor competence looks like and how it is and then making it personally relevant you know it, attaching it to somewhere where the kids can have a uh something that they can put it forward in, in their real life at home yeah you know like that, that's, that's really that's yeah. elementary PE teaching in a nutshell right there is trying to do all those things. Yeah. Well, I mean, besides that stuff, because obviously that resonates with me as well, but just the fact that um, the way she listens to students and really brings their feelings into the P into her PE practice really helps to make it not only more meaningful for students, but more relevant and it makes their experience better. Because now she has an overall sense of what things they like, things they don't like. Hey, there's some things that I may be able to introduce later on just to make it impactful mm -hmm. for everyone. And we always say we want to do that, but how are we doing that? Right. You know, and she is a perfect example of how to impact all students to get the best out of them. And she was honest. Like, <laughs> I wish I listened maybe some, you know, if, if, I, I think she mentioned, like, she didn't really say these words, but she was expressing that, well, I wish I listened more. Um, I, I guarantee you she did. Sure. Um, but it's also a very honest response to being a teacher. Yeah. It's reflective. You know, and it's okay. Like, 
if I didn't at some point, it's okay. Like don't beat ourselves up, but just be reminded on the importance of listening and being in that moment instead of being so rushed to car rider, bus rider, hallway duty, covering this, this activity. Oh, I must do this before I move on to lesson two and I got to get this done. It's it, it just like be in that moment with those kids at that time. It's okay. <laughs> um, but we've, we've all are guilty of it. I oh. mean, I, I am for sure. Probably I'm the worst one out of the three of us for sure. <laughs> yeah. There's always things we learn from. You know, there's things you can go, if I could change that, I would. But that's how we grow. You know, yeah. that's the only way we can grow is, is we get to learn from our mistakes and, and hopefully, you know, that doesn't happen again, or we can help others not to make those same mistakes. Well, and I don't even know if it's a mistake, right? It's just a, 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 a you evolve and you just are more mindful because it's not intentional. It's right. just something to be like, oh, I didn't realize. Let me really be intentional in listening, being conscious of being in the present moment. It's just being right. aware of it rather than being a mistake, I would say. Because if we consider it a mistake, then we think that there was wrongdoing on our intentional wrongdoing. Um, yeah. Sometimes that's just, I guess I'm, I'm reflecting a lot in 2022, boys. Oh, one last thing too. Um, I loved how she uh, expressed when she was talking about zones of regulation, how when she's instructing that skill, it was first co-regulating together mm -hmm. and then moving to self-regulation. That's right. So let's not, and, and I, I put a bullet point on that because it makes me think, okay, don't just tell kids to self-regulate. We got to teach kids on how to self-regulate. And to do that, we have to first co-regulate with them. That's the skill. They got to learn the skill first. Yeah. So right. I love that term co-regulate, then become self-regulating. Um, hopefully the, as the ultimate learning target, right? Yep. What a gift that she provided for those kids. So um, you guys, it's always a pleasure to have this podcast, uh, you know, to do this with you guys. I absolutely adore the two of you guys. You know that again, I'm just, really reflective in 2022. Oh boy. Um, I know. <laughs> I know. Cry, are you? I have a little I've bit. Like, that's a sometimes like with, uh, with Andrews were being grateful and then me being content. And um, I know that you chose uh, determined. It's just, it's, I guess it's the place where I'm at right now. I just, I'm really just happy and content and grateful for everything that uh, I share with you guys and what's we in my life. Are we about to see the Bank of America Stadium tears? I can fake tears, everybody. Who are my listeners and viewers? The boys have seen me fake tears before. They cry. I, I've, I've done that before. There's a man. lot of stories. Maybe one of these days we just do a podcast and each one of us is our own guest. But um, there are some stories that <laughs> these boys know about my fake tears. No, sure. these are genuine. Um, but anyways, all right, you guys. I'm going to go pick up my son. Um Got to get them from, from school. So slice to you later, everybody. Ciao.